Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. everybody and welcome to episode 25 of the Snyder Cut. We have a full show. I don't know if I'm going to even be able to take a breath this episode. So let's just jump in. Birds of Prey. Let's start at the beginning with this movie. Let's go back to Sundance a couple years ago. I'm in line and I hear two executives and they're talking about what is the most commercial thing they've seen at the festival. And they're talking about Dead Pigs, which was a movie that was on no one's radar and was like in like the world cinema competition, like, and it's just like Dead Pigs. That's a commercial title. Really? Um, I don't even know if it's sold, if it's available to watch these days. I don't know where you find it. But the director of that movie was, was Kathy Ann. And shortly after the festival, Warner Brothers hired her to do the Harley Quinn spinoff. And, I, like, I remember we weren't even sure, like, what it was going to be, if there's a Harley Quinn Joker movie, and then there's a Birds of Prey with, with or maybe without Harley Quinn. I don't even know. Uh, but there was this whole, like, commotion about people loved Harley Quinn and Suicide Squad, even though they didn't love the movie. She needs her own movie. Here we are a couple years later. It's Birds of Prey. Or the fabulous fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Uh, so I took Video Drew to see the movie last night because I didn't want to see it alone. Needed someone to, to talk about the movie with. Um, she was in town. So thank you, Video Drew, for accompanying me. And I'm sorry that I was coughing throughout the movie, still, a week later. Uh, the reviews on this one. I think the movie was at like 90% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes by the, when we went to see it. I haven't even checked what the score is these days uh, or, or, you know, lately. Roca, my good pal Johnny Roca, he flipped for the movie. Um, he said, you know, it's the, the depth, the humanity, the uh, it's a home run hit. You know, in terms of uh, girl gang, girls kicking ass movies, he, he, he offered that qualifier. Roxy Stryer loved it. You know, Perry loved it. Let me tell you something, guys. This movie is trash. It's not Suicide Squad garbage. It's not that bad. But it's not good. And anyone who's saying that this is a good movie doesn't know what a good movie is. Harley Quinn. Let's see. This was a fun character in Suicide Squad. I remember the highlights of Suicide Squad being Harley Quinn and Will Smith. Unfortunately, Harley Quinn best works as a supporting character. As a lead, she's completely grating and obnoxious. Who would want to spend two hours with this character grinning and mugging in the fucking accent? It's just... And they, and they went full R with this one, as far as I can tell. I mean, lots of, mostly for cursing. I mean, there's definitely, like, some, some violence, a lot of limb breaking, faces being cut off. It's just like, who is this movie for? You make a movie like this for 13, 14-year-old girls. That's who it's for. It's not for me. I get that. But then when you make it R, 
those girls don't get to see it. Which is why it opened to $4 million last night and is only tracking for 45 to $50 million opening weekend. Like, that's low for a DC movie. Especially for a DC movie with a marquee character like Harley Quinn, who everybody had a lot of goodwill towards. What works? I mean, Ewan McGregor and Chris Messina work as uh, Roman and Victor. You know, it's just like the movie came to life every time they were on screen. It didn't come to life every time Harley Quinn was on screen. She's on screen like the whole movie. Nothing else really works. Huntress, I like people, those early reviews, oh my God, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. No. 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 Uh, Canary. Double no. What? What? There's this line. So I'm going to get into spoilers, obviously. If you haven't seen Birds of Prey, turn it off right now. Come back and watch this after. There's a line in the movie that, that hints that Canary's mother had some sort of power. And at the end of the movie, we see her embrace this power as well. And this power is some sort of supersonic voice. We saw it earlier in the movie when she cracks the, uh, the drink glass. Here's the thing. It's a big difference between cracking a glass and lifting 20 men off the ground. That is not grounded in reality. So what is this? Is this movie grounded in reality? Or is it a city where people have powers? Like in Batman, there aren't really powers. This is, I mean, this is the world of Batman. This is Gotham. I don't understand it. It was so stupid, that moment. Why was it necessary? I have no idea. Was it to signal that in this world there could be powers? I don't know. uh, Rosie Perez. I love Rosie Perez. She was great back in the day. In this, no. Didn't work. Didn't work at all. None of this stuff worked. Uh, it was like her relationship with, with Ali Wong, the DA, who's like in the poster. I remember like, you know, like for that trailer, they did like all the little names that came up. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Ali Wong was the last one, I think. She's in the movie for two minutes. There's no, like, come on. This is just lip service. The girl gang stuff. These five, like these, they don't even go together. I, I like, the, why? Why? I don't understand how Harley Quinn can beat up a room full of 20 huge dudes, and then later in the movie she has, you know, struggles uh, in a fight scene. Or, you know, she's evenly matched. Like, which is it? Um, I mean, uh, what, a, what a dumb story. Like, he wants a diamond... And they kill him. A mafia family gets killed for it. And then this little girl swallows the diamond. And we're home movie. We're waiting for her to poop it out. Like, have we not seen this a thousand times? Does all of Gotham need to just, like, go to shit over this fucking diamond? Why does he need the diamond? What was even, like, I liked Ewan McGregor chewing a whole lot of scenery. But, like, just that whole character was dumb. He has all these shrunken heads from Africa. He's got this black mask. Why? What What does the black, ma- black mask do for him? What? I, it's just like he just needs, is his cousin's name was black mask, and so they needed to give him a black mask. What was this? 
what is this world that they've created? And I guarantee James Gunn's movie is going to make is going to be so much better because he is a writer at heart. James Gunn is a writer, and this movie really could have used a better script. Um, yeah, it was just bad. And anyone who says it's good has lost all credibility with me. Not that they had credibility to begin with. I don't understand the curve that these movies get graded on. The fight in this movie, at the end, in imagine like they go to some desolate like amusement park. It's like all blue and dark and gray. I'm like, oh great, another DC finale. We're not going to be able to see anything. Then they go inside. Everything's lit up like it's out of a fucking Tim Burton movie or something. And, like, the fight in this movie reminded me of the fight in Black Christmas. I don't understand. Like, it's I'm not making some blanket statement about, about female directors. It's just, like, it seems like they're like, well, we need some action for the guys, and we need some girl power, girl gang stuff for the girls. And then they just forget about a story. And, I'm, not, I'm again, this is not just about women because I see a zillion movies each year made by men that do the exact same thing. Where it's just, like... Here's the, the spectacle. Here's the fight scenes, the action scenes you guys came for, and they just totally ignore the story. I go to movies for stories. That's why I maybe you go for another reason. Maybe under your criteria, this movie is a fucking masterpiece. But I go for some semblance of a story, and this one didn't have it. I knew we were in trouble within two minutes because it starts with this stupid animated sequence like, Walter Hamada, what are you doing? This is like, this isn't bottom of the barrel, but, like, I did not think it was bad as Suicide Squad. I did not think it was as bad as Aquaman. But this was worse than Shazam. Shazam was, like, okay. I thought Shazam was okay. It was, like, a two-and-a-half-star movie. This is, like, one-and-a-half stars, two tops. Tops. And I like even like all the the soundtrack cues were all so on the nose. They were all terrible. There isn't a song in this movie that I would go home and want to download and listen to. The the fight scenes, the choreography, like they had to obviously they brought in Chad Stahelski because Kathy Ann, from all accounts, had no idea what she was doing with with action. I'm sorry. And I'm not the only one here at Collider who's heard that. Like, we've definitely, we definitely heard this was a problematic production, um, which is why it needed saving, which is why there's, a nut, there's two editors on it. They had to bring in Evan Schiff. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I, 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 it's not about me not liking comic book movies. I loved The Crow. I loved The Dark Knight. I loved Logan. I loved Kick-Ass. I loved Joker. There are movies that I like, and I like dark movies. I like... These kinds of movies. I like DC more than Marvel. This one is bad. It's just this candy-colored neon nightmare with some faux empowerment themes with Harley breaking up with the Joker like she's emancipated now. If she's so emancipated, what does she need her fucking girl gang for? Like, it's just stupid. This is a stupid movie. And unless you're dying to see it, I would save your money. Is there anything else that I have to say about this? I I don't think so. Like, but Roca, yeah. I, the first thing I did was text Roca, and he and he started qualifying this tweet. It's like, well, tech, I didn't say it was a home run hit of a movie. I said it was a home run hit as far as you know the uh, 
the, the, the girl gang and girls kicking ass and, and busting balls and that kind of thing. And I'm like, listen, Warner Brothers marketing department doesn't give a fuck about these qualifiers. If they took a quote from your tweet, it says a home run hit. Was this a home run hit? No. Was it a triple? No. Was it a double? No. Was it a fucking single? No. It's not good. It's a goddamn strikeout. Disappointing. Doctor Strange 2. Let's move on. I'm fucking already worked up from this Birds of Prey garbage. Doctor Strange 2. Now this, this was pretty cool news, I would have to say, in the scheme of things. Like, Sam Raimi coming to the MCU, the guy who sort of, sort of started it all... You know, I mean, obviously there was X-Men, but, you know, the, those first Spider-Man movies, they were, like, really good. Especially the first two. So when Raimi signs on to do Doctor Strange, which, you know, is going in a more horror direction, you know, it's Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. Uh, like, Sam Raimi, his name means something to horror fans. So I like this hire. However, it's like... Sam Raimi hasn't made him like the Sam Raimi that you and I are thinking about right now. That guy's gone. He doesn't exist. Sam Raimi hasn't made a movie in seven years. It was the last one was Oz the Great and Powerful, which I did not even bother to see. Uh, he has spent the last most of the last decade producing movies, and he's produced some some good ones. You know, like again, this guy has good horror sen- like horror sensibilities, like Don't Breathe. Um, I think was him and uh, Crawl last summer. That was really good. That's Tarantino's favorite movie last year. Like, and, and I wish that he was going back to to, to doing something kind of nitty gritty like that. But anyways, yeah, the Sam Raimi that we all know and love is no longer, and so he has struggled to get a movie off the ground for seven years. Like, don't think he's just been content producing other people's movies. He has tried to get movies off the ground. To no avail. That Bermuda Triangle movie, like, maybe they just don't have a script for it that they've cracked. Maybe they just haven't cracked it. But, like, that's an idea that should be made. Bermuda Triangle. Everybody knows what the Bermuda Triangle is. There hasn't really been a great Bermuda Triangle type of movie. Sitting over there at Skydance, nobody wants to pull the trigger on it. And I don't know if it's the script or the the star, you know, because it's been Ryan Reynolds and then Chris Evans. Uh, I think Chris Evans is, is ultimately going to do it. Um, but, uh, yeah, he just he just can't get anything off the ground. So when Marvel comes to him and says, here's a gigantic tentpole, I'm sure he is, like, they, they need a pro to step in for Derrickson. And I'm sure he just jumped at the opportunity because this is a chance for him to get back to being the Sam Raimi that we all know. If you know if, if he if this is a hit and he does not that he's going to do his own thing or do something co- completely new with it because it's not only is it a sequel but it's Marvel so he has to work within their template and he's on a tight timeline too like again I'm sure all this shit has already been previs to death storyboarded to death like I don't know how much Sam Raimi isn't really going to have to like do um, which is why you see a lot of sort of inexperienced people in terms of action movies uh, whether it's Kate Shortland on Black Widow or Kathy Ann on, on Birds of Prey. Like, you know, sometimes the, the director matters more than others. The director matters on a Black Panther, matters on a Guardians of the Galaxy. 
I don't know how much a director really matters on a Shazam or a Birds of Prey or whatever. Um, so with Raimi, it's like I'm I'm excited for this, but at the same time, very wary and skeptical because he is peaked. He has seen better days. Uh, and yeah, there's, there, there's definitely a reason that he has not been able to get anything off the ground in seven years. That Oz, the great and powerful movie, like who would even go see that? Who went to see that movie? I was smart enough seven years ago to know to avoid it. It looks horrible. Hopefully his casting like barometer is a lot better too, because I mean, James Franco was fucking Oz, the great and powerful. Like what was that? Uh, meanwhile, in other Doctor Strange news, Rachel McAdams not coming back. And you know what? I don't know if this is her choice or Marvel's choice, but, like, who can blame her? Like, Marvel sort of has this thing where these love interests are kind of expendable. Uh, I don't, like, I don't know why she's not coming back, even in, like, a smaller capacity, like Gwyneth Paltrow and the Iron Man sequels. Like, I don't know how you just get rid of her. But if she's just like, hey... There's no real role for me here, or maybe Marvel didn't want to have to pay her escalated, you know, fee for a sequel. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's weird. Um, now, Benedict Wong is coming back. Obviously, Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch is going to be a big part of it. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor is coming back. I don't know what the deal is with Tilda Swinton. Is the Ancient One... I don't even know what I, I can't even keep track of what happened to all these characters in the subsequent uh, Avengers movies. I don't know if Ancient One is gone or whatever. Um, she was I, I love I, I really like Doctor Strange. I really like what Derrickson did with it. It's a bummer that he is no longer a part of it. I I don't know what kind of creative differences could have led him to leave. I don't know if it was because they're looking at this movie like this movie has a lot of things that it has to do in terms of setting up the the multiverse and connecting to this, that, or the other. And maybe Derrickson was just like, just threw up his hands and didn't want to deal with it. Or, you know, it it was definitely one of the more surprising Marvel exits. He seems cool with, with with Raimi coming on. And of course, like he's being, if you're going to be replaced, like be replaced by a legend, so to speak in, in, in Raimi. But, uh, I don't know. I just felt like it was a little disheartening. Like Marvel seems to either be hiring like young up and comers or people who are just sort of on like the, the back nine. So, you know, this, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm glad, I'm glad Sam got a gig. Uh, I think that this bodes well for the project, but you you can't ignore like the recent history or lack of it. Um, Gareth Edwards, going over to do a sci-fi movie at New Regency. Not much to say about this one. It's an untitled movie. We don't really have plot details. Uh, you know, obviously Gareth Edwards is, he did Rogue One. Like, he wasn't going to just sit out forever. Um, yeah, I need to know a little bit more about this and, and the casting before I really render a verdict. Um, Disney doing a Bruno Mars music-driven theatrical movie. Like, Really? Really? They're going to put this in theaters? Seems like a Disney Plus play. I don't know that Bruno Mars, uh, people are going to turn out for a Bruno Mars movie. Uh, I barely can name a Bruno Mars song. I know he has that one. Um, Who cares? All this stuff is just like, who cares? Um, Knives Out sequel to go. 
who cares? Like, this movie was not good. I don't understand how it's nominated for an Oscar. I don't understand how many people fell for it. Like, just objectively, as a murder mystery, it didn't work. Like, if Ryan Johnson was sitting right here, I would tell him that. I have read so many murder mysteries. This was, like, so inane. Hugh. No, you're saying you, Hugh, 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 Hugh. What? The, the, the mystery is solved halfway through. The mystery of the movie is who killed this guy, Chris Plummer. Guess what? He killed himself. Like, ta-da. And then they pivot to another mystery, and it's two and a half hours long, and it's so funny and quippy. Like, I don't go to fucking murder mysteries for funny, quippy shit. Impress me with a mystery. And that character, Daniel Craig's uh, Benoit Blanc, he was like one of the most annoying parts of it. What movie did this guy come out of? And Lionsgate thinks they've got a franchise in this character? I mean, I'm sure Daniel Craig does because his Bond days are wrapping up, but count me out. I don't care. Don't care. Knives out. Wasn't for me. No. Judy Bloom adaptations. I feel like I've been reading about these forever since I got to Hollywood. Now we've got James L. Brooks and Kelly Freeman Craig doing Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. This is Scream's HBO Max title to me if there ever was one. I'm sorry. I wasn't a big Edge of Seventeen guy either. Wasn't that impressed with, with Kelly Freeman Craig. Uh, Yeah. Like, I I hate to be a downer. This is a downer of an episode. But so far, just nothing has excited me. Although Robert Downey Jr. changing agencies this week, that excited me. That's a good call because he needed to get the fuck out of CAA. I think he signed uh, with WME. Robert Downey Jr. coming off the bomb of Doolittle uh, where he, again, just... He needs to reclaim uh, Robert Downey Jr. That name... That existed and meant a lot before he did Iron Man. This guy was considered one of the greatest actors of his generation, and he has just pissed all over that. I mean, you can say he was good as Iron Man. He was. He's very good. He started the MCU. There would be probably be no MCU if it wasn't for Robert Downey Jr. He's good in the Avengers movies. But like the Sherlock Holmes movies, Doolittle, some of the stuff that he has been doing in the wake of it. It's like, how much money do you need? Go do a fucking drama that's not the judge. Go do a drama that you're not producing. You don't have good taste. And go work with like a Fincher again or a fucking Tarantino or someone who can draw a great performance out of you and remind everyone that you are Robert Downey Jr., Not the fucking Marvel guy. The guy who played Chaplin. The guy in Natural Born Killers. Um, Disney paying $75 million for Hamilton rights. I don't know if this is a good call or not. You got $75 million for the rights. It's obviously a pretty finished movie. Um, And then you're going to have to pay for marketing. So how much do you pay to market it? I don't know. $50 million? Now you're at $125. So now this movie has to make $250 worldwide. I mean, it could. It feels old. And again, you're not seeing a movie. You're seeing a play. You're just seeing a performance. 
And listen, there were a lot of people who did not get a chance to see Hamilton. Fortunately, I did. It was good. Was it worth the, the money that I spent on, on two tickets? Probably not. I think I spent $250, $300 on a ticket, and that was not even with the original cast with Lin-Manuel. Uh, so, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the writing, but I don't think I was necessarily satisfied at the, at the end of the night. Um, now, if I was paying 17 bucks. Sure. Why does it? Why do we have to wait another like year and a half to see this movie? Why? Because it's still you know selling out performances. Like I don't know. Um, yeah, this this could easily recoup its money. And obviously, to have the streaming rights on Disney Plus to be able to watch Hamilton whenever you want like that is pretty priceless. It's probably a good investment for Disney. Uh, I think that the the rights were initially projected to go for fifty million. Um, so, you know, they've definitely paid a premium, stay in business with, with Lin-Manuel. I'm not going to knock the purchase price for this. Uh, I just don't know if if a, a, a Hamilton movie can really recoup that kind of figure if it's not like a narrative feature and it's just a tape performance. And the other thing is like, you know, it's one thing in like a drama, like, you know, I said the taped version of like death of a salesman and like that was great but i don't know with a musical you've got the people in the foreground the people in the background there's singers dancers all this shit and it's like the the eye kind of wants to wander and with film your eye goes where the editor and, and the camera goes um so yeah i just i don't i don't know if that will translate i don't know if i've ever seen like a, a taped musical um, John Bernthal and Vincent D'Onofrio joining the Sandra Bullock Viola Davis project uh, over at uh, Netflix known as Unforgiven from Chris McQuarrie. Uh, he he wrote the script. Love those two guys. John Bernthal, Vincent D'Onofrio, two super intense character actors. They sound like a great addition to this project. I don't know who they're playing, but I am happy about that one. Ice Cube um, doing... Flint Strong, he's going to be playing uh, Claressa T-Rex Shields' boxing coach, Jason Crutchfield. There's certainly a, uh, a likeness there. Um, you know, I, I'm curious about Flint Strong. Like, I I, I like, uh, what was it, Girl Fight, the Michelle Rodriguez movie. I don't know this Ryan Destiny actress from A Hole in the Wall, but this is the directorial debut of Rachel Morrison. It's Barry Jenkins wrote the script. Aluka's producing. Like, they've got a really good team behind this one. And I think, you know, as far as Ice Cube playing a boxing coach, like, that's kind of great. I can totally see him in her corner, uh, given d- dispensing some, some tough love and some, some good, you know, fight advice. And, uh, yeah, I like it for Ice Cube. You know, maybe this turns out better than any of us expected, and he ends up like a Best Supporting Actor next year or two years from now. I have no idea. Um, that could be interesting, though. I'm I'm just curious, like, outside of the boxing of it all, like, what else? This girl had a tough upbringing. I think she was sexually assaulted at one point. I don't know if the script is going to delve into that. So it's all about how personal they want to get with this. Um, you know, could this end up being a female creed? Maybe. You know, I'd, I'd be all for it. Um, and speaking of uh, the Cube family, Little Ice Cube, O'Shea Jackson Jr., he's also playing a coach. He is replacing Winston Duke as a basketball coach in the Apple series Swagger from Kevin Durant. Uh, can totally see 
O'Shea Jackson Jr. coaching a bunch of uh, ragtag, uh, you know, young basketball players. Like, I think we need more good basketball movies. I can't. It's been a while since we got one, and I'm actually going to be uh, talking about one later in the show. Hint, hint. Um, got some big news, so stay tuned through the end of this episode. Don't let my negativity uh, steer you away. Um, so yeah, props to the Cube family. Congrats are in order. Mazel tov, all that stuff. Palm Springs. You heard me last week take issue with a press release and how all the film reporters just write up these press releases without even you know thinking twice. They, they use no critical thinking skills of their own. So uh, I called out Hulu and, and Neon for their $17.5 million and 69 cent press release, which I think was completely legit. And then sure enough, deadline to the rescue. They, they probably knew it was true, acknowledged it, but they're like, you know, you know I don't like this Snyder uh, you know, saying that the record's not ours. Let's go to deadline and get Mike to carry the water. And uh, Mike wrote this week that the purchase price is actually closer to $22 million with bonuses. L-O-L. What do you like? I've never heard of this. Mike Fleming has been reporting on fucking... Acquisition news since I was a child. I've read every every single one of the articles. Never once mentioned bonuses. It's a bonus because it's in addition to the price you pay. So I don't give a fuck how much your contract could be worth. I mean, I realize that the, in, in, in this story he said uh, the language of these bonuses, it, it's all but guaranteed. Basically, they need one person to turn on Palm Springs on Hulu and, and, and the bonus goes into effect. So really, it was a $22 million deal. Was it, though? No. A bonus is a bonus. doesn't fucking count against any goddamn records. I don't know what kind of bonuses Birth of a Nation got. Probably didn't reach any of those bonuses because the movie was basically uh, drummed into the ground by the time it came out. Um, But yeah, something is just not sitting well with me at all about this Palm Springs insistence that they're the best movie to ever play at the festival and blah, 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 blah. Not best, but the biggest sale. And really, it's a dick measuring contest. All that's all of Hollywood is a fucking dick measuring contest. And when you actually get like, I, I was just shocked that there was a fucking press release announcing the number. Like, you don't see that. You don't see like, and they just, they did it on purpose. They did it to fucking stick it in Nate Parker's eye, just like that. And maybe there's a lot of people who want to see things stuck in Nate Parker's eyes, but man, it just nothing about it smelled right to me. Um, got a lot left, a lot. We broke the story this week that Barry Cogan had fallen out uh, of Why the Last Man, the FX drama series. I think that they shot a pilot like summer of 2018 or something, and then uh, I think that they you know said let's go back to the drawing board, do some reshoots. Uh, Barry, you know they, they switched showrunners, so this is just another setback. I think Barry is a great actor. Um, American Animals, Dunkirk, Chernobyl. Uh, he's in Eternals coming up. But like anything that I've seen this guy in, he's fucking really good. Killing of a Sacred Deer especially. I don't think he's a TV actor. No. I think he's an indie film actor. Um, and it just... You know, even though I, I think I liked the casting when it was first announced, a lot of people thought it was a strange fit. And so even though people, you know, widely acknowledge him as a really talented actor, I think that they were probably 
uh, relieved to see him exit. Now, what happened, you know, I didn't really, I, in, in the story, I was like, I, I couldn't really get into it. Um, you know, first of all, I saw the deadline comments on this story. They're all talking about his looks and that he's ugly. I don't think uh, that's, that's fucked up, first of all. Like, I, I, don't, uh, I don't subscribe to that. I actually think um, Barry has a, a pretty unique look. And I don't want to see all these fucking pretty boys. Like, I went to a Super Bowl party this week uh, at a friend's. And I, like I said, there were all these, like, young British actors. That I made a joke about, oh, so, so what you guys were in 1917? And the room just went quiet because I, I bet you they, like, all auditioned and didn't get it. But they were all just, like, these young, good-looking guys, great hair, big pouty lips. And it's like, I'm fucking, like, we're st- are we still doing this? I'm sick of that. So I really like Barry's look. I think what the problem was was not his look. It was his voice. I think it was his accent. Um, he has, he has a, a real Irish accent, and when he does an American accent, which is good, he obviously can do one, you've seen it, he goes soft. Uh, his accent becomes very soft, and it gets a little high-pitched. Um, so either way, it, you know, it, it wasn't working out with him, wasn't a fit. They're going to recast the role. I'm excited to see who they get. I've been hearing about, I never read an issue of Why the Last Man. I've heard it's great from like, everyone who's read it. Um, and, and I hope, you know, obviously look at, look at where we are today. Look at the climate. This is kind of like the perfect comic for today. It's, uh, you know, he plays the last man on earth and, and the world is run by women. Um, and they've got, uh, Diane Lane playing his mother, who's like a, a Senator. So really good female cast here. They just need that, that male anchor. And, uh, I look forward to seeing who they get. Maybe they'll wind up with someone, you know, like Ty Sheridan or some with, with some real movie chops. Uh, like Barry had, or maybe they'll go with a, a fucking pretty boy CW type. I don't know. Um, Scarface. This was, you know, I went back. I thought I had a real story here. It turns out I, I didn't necessarily, but it wasn't widely reported. Uh, so two years ago, like March 2018, Variety had done a story about uh, Gareth done an Alcacer coming on to rewrite the, the script, and there was like a little line in that story that said that Antoine Fuqua was now going to be searching for his lead. Didn't mention the Diego Luna, I, and I hate that in trade reports, guys. This, when they like, tr- but and that and that's a trade off that we all make. It's like, oh, you want to write about who's getting the, jo- the the new person getting the job? Well, you gotta, you can't mention the old the old guy. So there was no mention of Diego Luna ever being like attached to this project, which he absolutely was. Um, but there was a little line that indicated they're searching for the lead, indicating that, that Diego had, had fallen out. But again, nobody had picked this up. I think he was still on his IMDb. People are still asking him questions. Like, So at Sundance, when I had him, I was talking about Narcos and how initially I was skeptical of Diego Luna being cast as Scarface. I didn't see it at all. I didn't, didn't like that casting whatsoever. He was too small, too diminutive. Not that Al Pacino was like a huge fucking guy, but he carries himself like one. And, and Diego, to me, um, he didn't necessarily have that big personality that Scarface had. Again, I don't know what the take is. They say it's a new original take uh, set here in Los Angeles. It's not like it's set in Miami or anything. Um, but like a lot, a lot of power hitters have had their hands in the script. Uh, and anyway, so I, I said, Diego, you know, I think I owe you an apology because I, I doubted you as Scarface. And now I see you on Narcos Mexico and you're fucking awesome as, as uh, the kingpin on that show. 
Uh, and so I asked him, you know, at the end of the interview, are you still doing Scarface? And, and he, he didn't even say, like, no. Like, he, he was kind of, like, sheepish. Like, oh, is this out there yet? Do people know that I'm not playing Scarface? And, he, and then he finally admitted it. So I thought I had a story, but then I went back into the Variety archives and saw that. Um, but, you know, in, in talking to the, the Collider editors, we felt like if you did a Google search, you, you're still thinking that Diego Luna is playing Scarface. Uh, and so, you know, props to Adam Chitwood, who we found a way to frame it. You know, basically saying Diego Luna confirms he's no, you know, that he's definitely no longer attached to that. So I thought it was, that was just a clever way of, of getting into it. And the story got a little bit of pickup yesterday. Um, that and why the last man are both singles. But it's like when you don't have a home run, and I've been, I've still been doing Sundance stories all week. I haven't even like gotten really into the nitty gritty of the news. Like you're just trying to chip away, single, single, single. You know. Um, until, until I come uh, roaring out of the gate maybe next week with a home run or two. Um, Disney Plus dates were announced. Uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming in August. Mandalorian Season 2 is returning in October, which seems very quick. And uh, WandaVision coming in December. We got a little tease of those MCU shows uh, at the Super Bowl. I thought that was a really good spot. Um yeah, just you know, got me excited. Got me excited seeing Anthony Mackie, uh, you know, in, in the Captain America colors and all that. So, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with Disney Plus until October. Like, what am I watching the next seven months? Like Timmy Failure, which came, came uh, comes out today and supposedly really good. But okay, once I go home and watch that in two hours, what gets me through the next six months? The archives? I don't have kids. I'm not going to be like churning through fucking cartoons like so uh, you know I'm, i might have to cancel disney plus for, for for six months or something like that um at least until the summer uh simon kinberg doing a female-led sci-fi thriller called endurance for netflix i love this guy he's no dummy he's just glomming onto the the, the badass women thing he's got 355 coming out um yes <laughs> Simon Kinberg knows an opportunity uh, when when he smells one. Um, the Russell Simmons documentary on the record selling to HBO Max after all the Oprah drama. I, I haven't seen the documentary, so I can't really speak to whether she should or shouldn't have taken her name off of it. Sounds like it was a bad idea. Sounds like Oprah's just under fire from all corners. Sounds like Apple should just get out of the fucking business because if all they want to do is make this like harmless entertainment that doesn't like challenge anything, like good luck to you. You know, like a- Apple's going to end up buying Netflix because Netflix is just drowning in debt and they know how to fucking make entertainment. Like I tweeted out this week. I've been amazed at just how fucking gl- glued to my Netflix I've been since you season two came out at the end of December. It's been that to don't fuck with cats to Aaron Hernandez to the pharmacist to now I'm watching the stranger. I mean, they- they've got that into the deep uh, movie that I saw at Sundance. That's great. I don't know when they're planning to release that, but there's just, there's just so much stuff and there's always going to be something for, for everyone there. Uh, and Netflix, you know, like as a reporter, I'm interested in how much they're spending. Like it's, it's a crazy amount. They definitely can't continue at this rate, but as a consumer, what the fuck do I care how much money they spend? It's still costing me 12 bucks a month or whatever the fuck it is. And it's easily, easily the best value of any streaming service. Um, 
So yeah, H and HBO. So HBO Max with this Russell Simmons documentary. I I loved. Uh, I did like Fleming's story. How he called HBO to confirm the deal, and HBO's like, we don't have it. And then, like, an hour or two later, he gets the release from HBO Max. And it's like, I just love that even HBO and HBO Max are not doing this guy any favors. Um, Because it would have been real easy for someone to correct him. Like, Mike, I think you're probably, you know, barking up the wrong tree. It's our our sister company, HBO Max. If they were nice, they would have done that. But I guess not. Um, The Nick Cage movie, where he plays Nick Cage. It sounds fucking crazy. The unbearable weight of massive talent. That got dated for next March. March 19th, 2021. Uh, What else? What else? Disney Plus, by the way, I wanted to back up. They have 26.5 million subscribers. That's a good start. I don't think... um, I don't think Netflix is shaking in, in its boots anytime soon. By the time Disney catches up, Netflix will probably, you know, be sold somewhere else. Uh, but you know what? All things considered, decent start for for Disney Plus. But again, they just they need to do more with that service. They can't just wait uh, for the MCU shows or, or Mandalorian. Like, what else do you have outside of the siloed brands? Make some fucking original movies, like it sounds like they did with uh, this Timmy Failure thing, which everyone I've spoken to has really liked. Um, some R.I.P.s are in order. Kirk Douglas, uh, you know, obviously a screen legend, um, and by all counts, like a, a good guy. You know, like I can't really think of any major scandals. There was a lot about did he rape Natalie Wood or do something when she was sixteen. Like this is all just innuendo and rumor mongering completely inappropriate it's one thing if you want to do it about kobe quite frankly because that was a little bit more cut and dry like you know he settled that at court but like this this is just like whispers and so i don't know what is this impulse that we have where someone dies and we go through the history uh did he do something there did he do something there it's 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 wrong um, and so everyone who was like get, harping on fucking Natalie Wood, like get a life. Kirk Douglas uh, was married to like his wife for sixty something years. He's one hundred and three years old. He's seen it all. He raised four, you know, um, upstanding Hollywood, uh, upstanding young uh, men, including Michael Douglas. Um. Yeah, I mean, The Bold and the Beautiful and and Spartacus. Like, you know, Kirk Douglas wasn't of my generation. He didn't, I wasn't crying when he died. But I certainly knew that this was a tremendous loss for, you know, the, the old guard, so to speak. FX Feeney died this week, the the, the critic and writer. And, uh, you know, that, again, that one, I didn't know FX personally, but I definitely read his reviews for years. Um in alternative papers, and I think he also wrote for Variety, and uh, yeah, I probably even exchanged a, a few emails with him when I was at the trades, and so that was a, a, a sad loss. It was nice to read all the tributes and to see the impact that a, that a critic who isn't Roger Ebert could still have, you know, on the community. Um, I think you know the Arrow in Santa Monica or someplace like that, you know, put his name up on on the marquee and everything. Um, and so, yeah, maybe, you know, track down some of FX Feeney's reviews and, and uh, pay tribute to, to his career. And then Mary Higgins Clark died as well. Again, I didn't read any of her books, but my mom always liked Mary Higgins Clark. She really did do like a lot for female authors. This was one of the biggest female authors of all time. I think she wrote 50 or 60 best-selling books. Um, so, yeah, the, you know, these were all no- notable deaths. 
Um, wanted to give it up to Scott Feinberg this week. He had a really good story about Ashley Boone, the black executive who uh, he was a marketing executive on Star Wars over at Lucasfilm. Just a really interesting piece of history that's kind of been forgotten. Uh, how instrumental this guy was and how he believed in Star Wars when a lot of other people didn't. So check, uh, go over to Hollywood Reporter and check that story out. Um, McHugh, McQuarrie, he fucking announced that Henry Cherney is back as Kittredge in Mission Impossible 7 and 8. I don't know what this dude is up to with these sequels. Uh, he's just like a madman over there in, in his laboratory. I don't know what he's cooking up, but I'm psyched. Like everything I've heard, uh, I, I've that has come out. It's not that I've heard anything personally, but everything that has come out about Mission uh, Seven and Eight, I'm I'm pumped. Like this was already the best active franchise in, in Hollywood. So uh, to get Henry Turney back, like to just go take this franchise back to the beginning, I I like how that boats. Um, man, there's so much left. Did you guys see that Fast 9 trailer? Totally bonkers. Like, how much more ridiculous can a movie get? I mean, that that is why we go see these movies, and that's why I'm going to see this one. Um, we had that last gag where, like, Vin just drives off a cliff. And I love how just serene he is. He's just totally cool. He's like, yep, like, I know this, this thing is going to catch the wheel, and uh, if I know physics right, because... Vin Diesel, <laughs> he must be some kind of physics expert. He, you know, he's got all his formulas in his head. It's like, well, if I, if I, if the cable's this long and the jump is this long, and if I, if it catches me just at this time, it's gonna whip me around like that. I know exactly how, where the car is gonna come. Like, I can't wait to see how that little action beat ends. Uh, and then you have fucking Han coming back. Justice is coming. I thought Han was dead. I don't understand this franchise. I don't understand people coming back, dying, not dying, who's alive, who's dead. What is happening? But I'm there for it. <laughs> I mean, at least that is a, a franchise that knows what it is. It's dumb. And even John Cena as Dom's brother, like what? I know it's not impossible. They could have, you know, share one parent, have a different parent. But like, What? You want me to buy that these two guys are brothers? That Dom, Mister, it's all about family. Uh, family, family, family is never mentioned. Mentioned this this fucking member of his family. Who are the people who write this stuff? I know it's 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 Dan Casey. who's a really good guy, but uh, wow, like wh- what? I'm just trying. This is why I don't think I could ever be a writer in Hollywood. Like when the executives come to you, they're like, all right. You got the gig for Fast 9. We liked what you did with this. Here's what we need. We need fucking crazy action sequences that make no sense in the real world and have no connection to gravity. And then we need you to bring back dead characters. And then we need you to invent family members for other characters who you'd think that we'd know all, the, all, all about their families at this point. Like, and, and what do you say as a writer? You're like, I, I can do that. No problem. Million dollars, done. Consider it done. I don't know that I could do it. I'd be like, what are you talking about? How do you have a job as a fucking executive? This movie will make a zillion dollars, though, so that's how they have a job. Um, There's an unscripted Friends special on the way. Guys, aren't you excited to see Joey and Monica? And, oh, wait, it's none of those people, none of the characters. It's just Courtney Cox and Matthew Perry and Matt LeBlanc 
shooting the shit and reminiscing about the friends days. What? That is not the magic of the show. We, it's like these people never went away. Jennifer Aniston never went away. She's here. We get it. I want to see Ross and Rachel and those people come back. I would be down for that special. But three or four million to hear these guys sit around talking about, well, man, when we were taping this episode, it got close and Jen was upset, but we, you know, we managed to rewrite the line. Like, what else is it going to be? It's going to be fucking a waste of time. But Israel Max has got the money to burn, so. Kajillionaire. This one, if you remember uh, last week, I think it was Variety that said uh, A24 was in talks. No, A24 just made an offer. They were the first bid on the table. And I guess the filmmakers wanted to wait for more bids, and it's a good thing they did because they got a higher bid from Focus. And Focus is really backing female film, uh, a lot of female films these days. They've got uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always from Eliza Hittman. Uh, that movie Emma, I think, with Anya Taylor-Joy. They, they get a bunch of stuff coming, um, and, and I commend them for it. Uh, I, I'm bummed that I missed Kajillionaire. I like Miranda July. I like this cast, Gina Rodriguez and, and Evan Rachel Wood and uh, Richard Jenkins. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Congrats to Focus on winning this bidding war. And, uh, you know, A24, you win some, you lose some. Same, you know, and I don't want to beat up on Variety too too bad. This has obviously happened to me. You, you put out the the name because uh, you assume what A twenty four wants. A twenty four gets. Shouldn't Miranda July be flattered that A twenty four wants to be in business with her? But uh, yeah, it sounds like Focus just had a better distribution plan. Obviously, you you can't fault Focus. Focus and, and Searchlight are sort of the gold standard of the indie community. Um, so yeah, we're gonna just gonna see a different uh, you know company logo in front of Kajillionaire. Uh, this was just, oh, I got to talk about the Oscars and stuff like that. Like, how desperate are we getting these days? We've got Janelle Monet. So all five per, uh, song performers uh, are, are, are happening at the show. You've got Billie Eilish doing an in memoriam. I don't like big stars doing the in memoriam because then it becomes about them and less about the people who are honoring. In memoriam is just supposed to be... A nice little song that plays over this montage so we can, you know, feel and say goodbye to all these great artists that we've lost over the year. It's not, it's not about focusing on the song or the performer, and I, I fear that that's what's going to happen with Billie Eilish. No, like, there shouldn't be a singer bigger than anyone in the reel, or the, the bigger than the biggest person in the reel which is obviously going to be re-edited to accommodate uh, Kirk Douglas. And I'd be shocked if you didn't see Kobe Bryant in there as well. Um, I mean, really, they should end it with Kobe Bryant, even though Kirk Douglas meant a lot more to Hollywood. You know, this is Kobe City. He is an Oscar winner. I'd be shocked if they didn't open it or close it with Kobe. Um, but yeah, don't need Billie Eilish. Don't need a, gen- a-, a special performance from Janelle Monae. So that's seven. Seven songs, performances we're going to see at the Oscars, right? And now an announcement that the Connors from Roseanne are going to be doing live commentary for ABC during the show. What? In what world does the Connor family even watch the Oscars, let alone know what they're talking about during it? Like, do the Connors have a lot of extra money to go see Jojo Rabbit? 
I don't understand what the fuck they're doing with the Oscars and how desperate the show has become. You have the most talented people in the known universe and you can't put together a fucking like entertaining show. You got to resort to bringing in Billie Eilish and Janelle Monet as if people fucking watch the Grammys. What is happening in this goddamn town? Saw a report this morning uh, that some pranksters were talking to Joaquin Phoenix and Rooney Mara, and they were posing as Greta Thunberg and her father, because and they were saying that Greta wants a role in Joker Two or something, and and Joaquin said something to the effect of, like I, I think Greta wanted to play Harley Quinn, and he, and he said, well, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to do something with with Rooney, uh, with Rooney Tunes. Um, Rooney Tunes in uh, in Joker Two would actually be kind of cool because you know she is the girl with the dragon tattoo. She would certainly fit in that nihilistic world. She she has like kind of dark edge to her. Um, so that would be cool. I didn't see Mary Magdalene. I don't know anyone really who did. Uh, so maybe they you know they they want to work on a movie that people actually get a chance to see. Um, I don't know if I ever told you my little Joker story, but. Uh, I, you know, I went to the premiere. I was like, you know, one of the first people out of the theater or over to the party. And I go to the bar and I'm, you know, with my buddy. We're waiting in line to get a drink. And these three people in front of us are just taking forever to get some fancy cocktail. And it turned out it was Joaquin and Rooney and uh, and a friend of theirs. So, you know, it, it was just cool how to see how supportive Rooney was this season as uh, as Joaquin's significant other. And, you know, if he wants to reward her with a role in a sequel, even though I don't think that there should be a sequel, but if there is going to be, Rooney Mara, not a bad choice for it, I got to say. Would have been interesting to see her in Birds of Prey. Um, because that, that's the other thing, like... I would like to see Harley or slash Margot have an equal. Uh, I don't think Mary Elizabeth Winstead is is quite there as much as I like her. And Journey Smollett Bell certainly was not. Um, oh God, Ray Donovan being canceled this week. What is up with that? You can't put a show on the air for seven fucking years and then just pull the plug before what would have been the final season. Like, ended after six, because that actually came to, like, a natural end point. Then they're, like, then they, they then they charted out, like, another two-season arc, and then they just ended halfway through. I don't understand that. What fucking doomed this show, and this is just this, the truth, and I'm sure they will acknowledge it, They moving it to New York was way too expensive. Big problem. And... Like, it's not like Ray Donovan uh, was Game of Thrones. Like, if, you, if you're going to move it to New York, move it there for a good reason. Move it there because the audience will, will follow you no matter what. Or you have a gigantic audience. So it doesn't matter where you fucking move it. This was always a show that had a, a smaller but lo- nonetheless loyal audience. And it's a real slap in the face for Showtime to, to pull the plug on this. Apparently... Ray Donovan producers had no idea that, you know, the cast had very little idea. Um, You know, Showtime had hinted that it was coming to an end, which I thought meant one more season, same as Homeland got. Uh, Homeland's about to start its eighth season on Monday, on Sunday night, which again, why start a new season on Oscar night? I don't understand this. 
wait one more week? Uh, like, who is going to be watching Homeland on Sunday night? Nobody is the answer. Uh, so, yeah, just some questionable choices by Showtime. Really bummed about Ray Donovan. It was, you know, it's been labeled the dad show. I'm sure, you know, and I, I did call my dad. My dad was like, who, what idiot made that decision? But this show wasn't just for dads. I think there were a lot of people who, who really liked the Donovan clan, liked, uh, you know, particularly John Voight's Mickey Donovan, and just very sad to see uh, it end like that. Um, the Honest Ballots, loving the Honest Ballots that Hollywood Reporter's pulling out. Uh, putting out, I saw everyone has honest ballots uh, these days, secret ballots, fucking IndieWire and, and Next Best Picture and the LA Times. And it's like they're all imitators. They're all pretenders and they should all stop doing it because, first of all, you have to take into account the kind of person who is going to share their ballot with, someone, with, a, with a reporter in secret. It's one thing if you're sharing it with the Hollywood Reporter. Who are the people that they got to share these ballots with the, with Next Best Picture? Are they people who just dreamed of having it on Hollywood Reporter but were never going to get asked? Like, and, and the answers on these ballots, by the way, there was one, I think there were 25 fucking secret ballots. One of them had 1917. I don't even think you can trust the fucking secret ballot shit that you're reading. I really don't. Hollywood Reporter is the only one because I, I'm assuming... That Scott knows who to fucking ask. And that's why theirs are just so much better. Everyone else is like trying not to hurt feelings or tiptoeing around certain shit. And THR just goes for the jugular and I love it. Um, But yeah, the, the voters that they've had these last couple days... I don't want to, you know, how could they cast four non-Americans as the women in Little Women? How could they cast a Brit like Cynthia Erivo as Harriet Tubman? What does this have to do with anything? So she's not American. Like, so what? It's about the performance. Is she good or is she not good? Who cares what her fucking passport is? I don't understand this. I won't vote for Bong Joon-ho because I want an American to win Best Director. Why? It's not the Lord's not best American director. <sighs> the Academy is just so frustrating. So many idiots inside of it. And that's why when everyone's like, oh, parasite, 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 you're giving this group a lot of fucking credit. I'm way more cynical than you guys. This is the group I gave to, to Green Book last year. And even though I loved Green Book and thought it was great. I, I don't think that they're going to be going for Parasite this year. I don't care how many fucking secret ballots you see it on. Uh, will I be eating crow on, on Monday's FYC wrap-up? Uh, maybe. I, I very well might. I'm, I'm like every single person that I follow is predicting Parasite. I'm kind of shocked by it. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Again, it's all about the type of person that answers these secret ballots. It's people who are available, people who run in, to these Oscar bloggers on the award circuit and then talk to these Oscar bloggers. But how many old white people who don't go out for all the, uh, who don't get the hot invite to the Netflix screenings or whatever it is, how many of those people are sitting at home and they're all just voting for 1917? That's the thing. It's, it's just like little things like that that people don't take into account. Um, oh, God. I rewatched Jojo Rabbit, by the way. I showed it to Stephanie this week. And 
it's just great. I was just at an absolute mess afterwards when, you know, when they start dancing and, um, and I turned to her and I was like, you know, that's why on FYC of late, I've been predicting a Jojo upset because I don't see how anyone can compare that movie to Parasite. And I get that people don't love Jojo. I get that they're just like, I, I don't know what to make of this humor. I don't know what to like joking about the Holocaust isn't funny, but they're, 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 these people are wrong. Obviously it's not that it's not that they're joking about the Holocaust. This is all being told from the perspective of a 10 year old boy. It is such a beautiful piece of screenwriting. Everything pays off perfectly. And I sat there crying. And I'm just like, how could you compare this movie to Parasite? Parasite does not. And I, I really liked Parasite until the end. But even if that end hadn't happened, Parasite does not make you feel like a Jojo Rabbit does. So I'm really hoping that the Academy, and particularly its Jewish contingent, do the right thing here. Because it is fucking night and day between that movie and just about every other nominee. Uh, the Spiral trailer came out this week. Spiral from the Book of Saw. I didn't even know there was a Book of Saw. Did you guys know that? Wow. Uh, it looks fucking awesome. Like, I can't wait for this. I Even the movies that looked, that were, looked like and certainly were garbage, I was there opening night for every Saw sequel. Saw 3D, Saw 6D, Saw Who Gives a Fuck, I was there. And most of them were not very good. But they they, they satisfied my inner bloodlust. And I think if Spiral does that with real actors like Sam Jackson and Chris Rock and Max Minghella, I think it could be really fucking cool. Did I know this movie was coming out in May? Absolutely not. Huge surprise. Uh, can't wait to see it. I mean, it comes out in three months. That's wild. Um... Should they have waited until the fall? Probably. You know, I probably would have put this out around September, like when they were releasing it. But you got to steer clear of October because Halloween comes out then. And I've heard uh, Halloween Kills did test screen the other night. I heard it was, you know, really, really good. Uh, I'm just excited to see fucking Blumhouse get back on track after two back-to-back shit movies that I've watched from them. Um, and I, was, I wanted to ask Perry about Fantasy Island because I think she saw it the other day for the junket, but uh, she's not in the office today. So, word is still out on Fantasy Island. I think it looks fun though. And yeah, Spiral, sign me up, dude. Um, the A twenty four store, A twenty four. If you're listening to this, you're too expensive. I don't have fifty dollars to blow on a fucking uncut gems T-shirt, let alone like a hundred and fifty dollars to blow on an uncut gems sweatshirt. And it is a cool sweatshirt that you guys offered, but was I going to plunk down that kind of money? Is anybody outside of you know the the rich Hollywood people like? Mm, I don't think so. Maybe yeah. Like, is is it just for diehard fans? The store like, I like, you know, they give a lot of, away a lot of free stuff too. I mean, it goes. Like that, I don't even. I don't think I've ever gotten anything out of the A twenty four store, to, despite being very uh, keyed into their their Twitter feed. Um, what else? A couple plugs. Uh, you know, I saw the Columbine. I, sorry, I saw the. I read the Columbine book. I, if you saw me at Sundance, you saw me carrying this book. It, what a devastating read! It's it's a it's a book that should be taught in classrooms across the country. Every parent should read it. Uh, you know, because they need to identify the the early warning signs, and it was just amazing to see how different Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold were. Eric was a psychopath; Dylan was suicidal. He saw the the, the attack really as a means of of killing himself. 
Um, and it just one of the best, really one of the best books I've, I, I may have ever read uh, by Dave Cullen. So if you are interested in, in true crime and particularly the, the Columbine tragedy, check that out. Check out my brother's website. He's a graphic design artist, jonathansnyder.com. Really creative kid. Not just saying that because he's my brother. Uh, he did the, the squirt gun shirt that I wear all the time. and all, It's like the, the piece of clothing I get the most compliments on. Uh, so check out his his website. Check out my website, theinsnyder.blogspot.com. I got my 2020 movie list up that chronicles uh, you know every movie that I see in a given year. I rank them. Are they great? Are they good? Are they good, but they should have been better? Was it a guilty pleasure like Bad Boys for Life? Like I can't call that a good movie, but I definitely enjoyed it. Um, some people might call the gentleman a guilty pleasure. Then you've got the underwhelming disappointments that just didn't meet my expectations. And then you've just got the bad movies, which is like Run, Sweetheart, Run, and Scare Me that I saw at Sundance. Um, other things to check out, the Zero 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 trailer. That's Amazon's new cocaine trafficking series. That uh, could be could very well turn out to be their own Narcos. I This was on one of my top ten most anticipated series last year. And then it got delayed because I think that uh, Andrea Riseborough suffered some kind of injury. But it's finally coming out. I don't have an ex- exact date for you. It might be this spring. But I think it looks awesome. Zero, zero, zero on Amazon. Uh, also check out um, like The Pharmacist on Netflix. I said that was that's really good about a pharmacist whose son uh, gets caught up in the, in the opioid uh, crisis. And so he, he takes that on. I've been watching. I watched one episode of The Stranger. That was really good. Uh, from Harlan Cobain. And then last night, Steph and I started watching McMillions on HBO. I didn't even realize that was out. That is just going to be so wildly entertaining. And I like that it's not, it's like no, nobody dies, nobody gets raped, nobody's kid is getting murdered. Uh, it, it's just in, in a, a different kind of true crime limited series. Um, I think we are almost done, and it's time to do the rumor of the week. I did want to mention the Harvey Weinstein trial. Like, man, I hope this, I hope they fucking lock this guy up for for a long, long time. I mean, I don't know if he's eligible for life in prison, but uh, but a, just a disgusting monster. And and they're showing you know sketches of his warped genitalia to the jury. That's so gross. If I was a jury member, I might even like I don't know if 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 you can sue the court or something for emotional distress. Um, but yeah, it's like, hasn't this guy traumatized enough people? Holy shit. I'm glad I don't live in New York and wasn't eligible for that trial. All right. Here we go. Yep. All right. We're going to end the show with, oh fuck. What is this? Hold on one second. Variety, Texas root. Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot in the works with the Dig directors. Directors Ryan and Andy Toehill to direct a reboot of classic uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Never heard of these guys. Don't really think I know what the Dig is. Um, So that seems like an odd choice for Legendary. Uh, Would have also might have liked to have seen a female director tackle Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That would be a little bit more interesting. Hot Package, the Elf on the Shelf auction has streamers and studios lining up. I'm not even going to click on that. An Elf on a Shelf movie? Get the fuck out of here. Universal, a new creature feature on the slab. Matt Stosky to helm Monster Mash. Who is this guy? Never heard of him. 
I need, need to click on that to read more about that. I just don't have time while I'm on the air. So let's get to the fucking rumor of the week, and it's a doozy. All right. So I have decided to run this after a couple of months um, just because it's been quiet on this front, so why not? Remember a couple of months ago with the whole China flap in the NBA and then LeBron weighed in and LeBron sort of sided with China. He was kind of like, we don't know all the facts and, you know, I reserve judgment and uh, like, come on, LeBron. Like, there's some shady shit going on overseas and Daryl Morey called it out and it obviously, you know, cost the NBA big time and, uh, you know, LeBron inserted himself into things and tried to uh, sort of, uh, you know, soothe things over with China, so to speak. Well, what if I told you that he had an alternative motive for these things? So there's a LeBron James project that he's been developing for a couple of years. It's called Hustle. It was over at Legendary, and it's about an American scout who goes to China and discovers this streetball venom and tries to bring him back to, you know, to, to America, to the NBA, because he sees him as sort of his ticket back to the, to the big leagues. This, this scout has sort of fallen on some hard times, and, uh, and he knows that if, you know, if he can get this guy signed or you know, drafted uh, with a high pick, like he, he's got his mojo back. Um, and so a few months ago, now this, is, this part is confirmed. Legendary dropped the project. You don't see a lot of people, companies, dropping LeBron James projects. Everybody kind of wants to be in business with LeBron, uh, but sure enough, Legendary dropped it. And remember, Le- LeBron has a deal over at Warner Media. So I think, I'm trying to think, I don't know if it was like Mark Wahlberg was originally earmarked for this or if it was just nobody. But I heard that it did have a star. And this star recently worked with another former NBA superstar, Kevin Garnett. That's right. This week's rumor of the week is I've heard Adam Sandler, fresh off Uncut Gems, is going to star in this Project Hustle produced by LeBron James in which he would play an NBA guy who goes to China Etc. He has now Sandler has a big following in China thanks to the Netflix deal. He's an international star. He loves basketball, obviously. That's why Uncut Gems is all about basketball. It's why you know he has a, his own basketball court, Happy uh, Madison Square Garden, and all that. Um, so everything just kind of makes sense. Uh, is it confirmed that Adam is starring in this? No. Do I know where the project is set up these days? No. That's the re- that's what has really held me up these last few months in reporting the whole legendary drop the LeBron project because I heard that it found a new home. Um, I had heard Netflix, you know, which obviously you know Sandler just re-upped his deal with Netflix. Like this makes a lot of sense, but at the same time, you know, with LeBron's deal with Warner Media, I don't I don't know if it's at HBO Max. I don't know if. Amazon outbid everybody for it. Like, I don't know where the project is set up. So as far as I know, it's not set up. And they're still trying to find it a home or something. 
Um, or I could be wrong on that. It could be at Netflix, and I just haven't been able to get a straight answer out of anybody. That's the other thing. I have not been able to get a straight answer out of a lot of people. But um, shit, I think I, I think it's uh, I think I got to wrap this up. I, I definitely went over the, the the time limit on this, but yeah, keep an eye out. Sandler hasn't really signed on to anything since the whole uncut gems of it all. This is a happy medium. It's not another super serious uh, Safety Brothers movie, but it's also not Hubie Halloween, which is his next Netflix movie. Sandler's always going to love doing movies with his buddies and going on vacation to nice places. And, and, and you know, they may uh, very well do a, a sequel to Murder Mystery. But this is a happy medium where he can actually play a real character with some, uh, you know, some actual dramatic beats to play. Um, you know, a schlubby basketball scout. And then you, you when you factor in China, like th- this could end up being the next big hit for the Sandman. So we'll see if that plays out. But that's the rumor of the week. That'll do it for the Snyder Cut this week, folks. Um, congrats to the, the Kansas City Chiefs. And, uh, and, by the, and and congrats to J-Lo and Shakira, Shakira for shaking their thing. It was a really good halftime show. I think it was a, a good game. You know, I, I, I just enjoyed myself Sunday night. Hopefully I will enjoy myself this Sunday night. It is the Oscars. We're going to be doing some a couple of you know short videos, Perry and I, because I think Scott Mance is otherwise engaged. Um, maybe he's sitting next to Bong Joon-ho in, in the in the fucking uh, Dolby or Kodak, whatever the hell it's called these days. Um, yeah, I don't know where what Mance is going to be doing Sunday night, but we will be back on Monday, my 36th birthday, to recap the Oscars, that's for sure, and I might even have a very, very cool scoop on Monday for you guys. Thank you for, for listening, watching, whatever you did. I'm at the Insnyder on Twitter, Instagram, Cameo. Buy a Cameo. If you need uh, some advice filling out your, your Oscar pool, buy a Cameo, the... the 15 bucks it costs you could end up winning you a lot more. You know, I've got, I've got special advice for you. Um, and yeah, until next time, we'll see you back next Friday. Mwah! Love you. Bye. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Babu, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. (laughs) Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. The Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig is the perfect gift or addition to a small gathering. The Home Bar makes over 30 drinks from cosmopolitans to old fashions at the push of a button. Just insert the pod, press start, and enjoy. Each Drinkworks pod contains real ingredients and premium spirits. For a limited time, get $50 off the Home Bar with promo code PLAY. Go to drinkworks.com to order now. Drinkworks, press play. Keurig is a registered trademark of Keurig Green Mountain, Inc. Used under license. Please enjoy responsibly.